Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're having a little change of pace with this episode because it's actually off a Giants victory. I know, rare these days. It's rare, but that's where we're saying the Giants went into New Orleans, won in overtime, 27-21, a nice dramatic victory. Everybody comes out feeling good about themselves. At least the Giants offensively did. You feel better about Jason Garrett. I know a lot of you don't want to hear that, but the offense showed some signs. But you leave that game, and let's think about this big picture realistically. You go away walking away from that game, and the number one thing you need to take from that game is that Daniel Jones played his ass off, right? I mean, he played awesome in that game, 402 yards, threw it. Threw an interception, but that was on a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Just played great in that game. And it really just brings you back to where we stand. We're basically at the quarter pole. There's no quarter pole anymore because it's a stupid 17 games, which is driving me nuts. But you have Daniel Jones through four games, which is essentially almost a quarter of the season. He has one legitimate turnover. One legitimate turnover. Has played really well. And this, again, behind is behind a subpar offensive line, which, by the way, played very well the other day, right? But Daniel Jones is completing 67% of his passes. That's four touchdown passes. You'd like him to knock that number up a little more. Uh, a couple rushing touchdowns. Should even probably have one more that was taken away from him on a questionable call a couple weeks back when he ran against the uh, Washington football team. But you can't tell me. You're sitting there watching the game. And I've been, look, I'm the guy, imagine me sitting there with my conductor hat, you know, ready to ride, saying, come on, guys, let's go. That's me. I've been on the Daniel Jones bandwagon entering this season. I've been on the record. I tweeted it. Uh, I've mentioned it in stories. I thought Daniel Jones was going to have a big year this year and that he was going to make a big jump this year. And so far, I look like Nostradamus, right? So far, so good on it. And then, by the way, we're going to get to another story later, okay? We're going to talk with uh, our Cow- ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys write- writer, uh, reporter, Todd Archer, in a little bit. But I'm also in the Jordan on the Beat segment. I'll give you my little story about my prediction, because I did. I went out on a limb going into this game against New Orleans. I went out on a limb where no one else, no man, no brave man or brave reporter Really wanted to go. They had road games in New Orleans and Dallas. And I said, I went out there on the record in public. And I said, guess what? The Giants are going to win one of these games. Even though they're 0-3, you all think they stink. And have no chance to win either game. But I am brave. I am willing to put myself out there like none of you. Like no one else out there. Because I'm really putting nothing at risk. Nothing. Which really requires no bravery. Goes to show you that I'm really not putting myself out there. I'm just predicting football games. Which it is what it is. So. Have fun with it. But I will tell you that story later. And there's a Giants player who took notice of my insane bravery to step out on the limb and put myself in a position where no real man or woman was willing to go. I'm sure some of you out there thought the Giants would win one of these games. But anyway, get to that story later. In the meantime, let's think for a second about what this team could possibly be. Offensively, I know we're taking we're, we're jumping like five steps ahead because this is just really just one good good perform offensive performance. It really was mostly just the second half too. But 
Daniel Jones looking like a good quarterback, right? I mean, it's hard to watch him this year and say he's not playing well. And you don't think he has potential as a starter. I, I, just, I, I, I can't imagine, unless you're insanely biased at this point, that you could say he doesn't have a chance to be a decent starter, a quality starter, at least. Not great, but I'm not talking about a great player, but at least a decent starter in the NFL. Anyway, so we saw Kadarius Toney do some damage. The Giants needed him badly. Rookie first-round pick. Steps up, plays really well, right? Career high in catches, yards. Had basically done nothing the first three games. Solid game in New Orleans. And you see the flashes of his ability with the ball in his hand. That, obviously, impressive. Now, so you have him. You have Kenny Galladay showing what he is. We've already seen this Detroit over the years. He's a number one type receiver, right? Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard should be back soon. Two quality players. Sterling Shepard out of the slot. He could win, get open. And then you have a, a healthy Saquon Barkley, too. I mean, I just named five guys. Five weapons for Daniel Jones. That's not even adding in that John Ross is essentially, if healthy, basically the fastest player in the NFL and a good deep threat. And if they, God forbid, can get anything out of Evan Ingram, anything. We're talking now about seven offensive weapons that the other team needs to worry about with Daniel Jones. And then I mentioned, we didn't even get to mention Daniel Jones's legs, we've seen that's a weapon. Clearly, that's a weapon nowadays that the Giants are using. They're running the RPOs. And as I'm taping this, as I'm taping it in my car, I got Dan Duggan standing outside my window taking a picture of me to mock me, to try to make me look like the lunatic that I am. I'm not going to fall for this. I'm not going to be victim to the shenanigans and take it lightly. Retribution will be coming. Anyway, sorry to get off track there. You can blame Dan Duggan from The Athletic for that one. But that is what you look at this game in New Orleans, and you saw a flash of what their offense could be like. And then you think about the potential of what it can be going forward. And if they don't have success, there's nobody else to blame. And I know the offensive line, they just need the offensive line to be decent. It's not good, but they just need them to be decent. They were good the other day. But just be decent, and that offense could be really good. And if it's not, then you know what we're all going to be looking at. Yeah, right at you, Jason Garrett. Right at you. Now, Giants play the Cowboys now. And it really just, if you look at this stretch the Giants have and the position they're in, they're one and three. Dallas is three and one. They're seven-point underdogs, the Giants. But if they lose this game, they're three games back of Dallas with a loss to them head-to-head. They are in ridiculous trouble. So this essentially is a must-win game for the Giants. In week what are we? Week five. Must win. I don't know how we could sit here and try and sell any realistic optimism for the Giants season if they lose this game because this is the beginning right now of a six-game, six-game? Yeah, six-game stretch against teams that are combined 17-7. and Alright? Listen to this for a second. This is what the Giants have coming up. At Dallas versus the Rams versus the Panthers, who the Panthers are playing pretty well this year, three and one. Then at Kansas City on Monday night, home versus the Raiders. The Raiders also off to a good three and one start. And then a bye. And then <laughs> Pat Leonard's giving me the double bird driving by like a looks like a complete psychopath as we speak. This see, this is these are the I'm fighting through conditions to bring out this podcast for everybody out there. You see what I'm fighting through? You see these adverse conditions. They talk about Daniel Jones weathering the storm. I'm weathering the storm here. See what I go through to try and bring you the content you need? 
Anyway, so 17 and 7. The last game is at the Bucks on the mon- on a Monday night. I mean, come on. That is just a ridiculously hard stretch for the Giants. They lose to Dallas and have the rest of that coming up. You're sitting at 1 and 4. It's hard to even pre- pretend that this team is going to go anywhere or do anything this year. I don't even know how you pretend. So that puts this at a must-win game on Sunday, 425 in Dallas. Dak and the Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott is running the heck out of the ball. They got weapons. Their defense looks, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was going to say serviceable, but even better than serviceable at times. So the Giants are really in for a tough game. I have trouble seeing this Giants defense which hasn't been very good against the run and hasn't been able to rush the passer. I'm having trouble to find myself, to find the path that says that they're going to be successful against the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys' strength is their offense. Their offensive line, in particular, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Terrence Steele. I mean, these guys are playing well. How are the Giants going to get any pressure against that group? How are they going to stop Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard from running all over them? So... The pressure is on the Giants office. We've really been saying this for several years. If this Giants team wants to be good, and this this holds true more now maybe than ever, if this Giants team legitimately wants to be good, that offense is the one that's going to have to carry them. Think about where the money's at. Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, okay? These guys get paid with the assets. First-round pick Daniel Jones. First-round pick uh, Kadarius Toney. First-round pick Evan Ingram. They put their assets into the offense. So guess what? It's time for the offense to carry this team, much like they did. And Daniel Jones did. He took the team, put him on his shoulders in New Orleans, and said, guys, come with me. Guess what? They need more of that. They're going to need a lot of that if they want to win in this, uh, even like if they even go three and three in the six-game stretch. Huge win for this team. Huge win. And a lot of that's going to be Daniel Jones putting, putting them on his back and saying, let's go, fellas. We're going to win this, and we're going to win this based on our offense, and specifically, likely, because this is the way you win games in the NFL, the passing game. Now let's go take a look at the Giants' opponent this week. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. All right, let's talk to Todd Archer, our ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter. He's all over the Cowboys. Todd, welcome back. We always love having you here. Good to be here. Good to see you, kind of, or hear from you anyway. We'll see you soon enough. I mean, it's a, is it going to be crazy down there or what? What's, what's, uh, what's the feel on the Cowboys at this point? Yeah, it, it's getting there. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely getting there with the, with the three straight wins. And um, it, it's, it's a team that is feeling pretty good about itself. But I, I think they're, you know, they're saying all the right things about 
we haven't really accomplished anything yet. So, um, so what, about the, fan, what yeah. about the fan base? Are they expecting Super Bowl at this point? Are they that high? Or are they, eh, or, or they, or they, or are they ready for the impending doom when they, when they do, you know, their usual collapse at some point? I, I think they're ready to accept them uh, as a potential legitimate team, but I don't think they're there yet. Uh, generally speaking, but you know, there's always going to be fans that are going to think, Oh yeah, this is the year, but you know, shame me once fool on me, shame me twice, 25 years in a row, shame <laughs> on you or whatever that saying is. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it usually applies to 25 years. Usually people learn their lesson by then, but I guess, uh, we can't say that for everybody you know, when it comes to their favorite football team. So, uh, but there are some reasons to be excited. One of them being the quarterback who's back. And obviously that was last year against this team when the, the, the injury happened and his legs hanging in the wrong direction. So I'm curious, like, do you see anything from Dak that indicates that still exists? Or do you think he think, or is there anything that indicates that he still thinks about that at all? No, not really. Uh, I mean, you, you look at his play and you can see, you know, the, the 10 touchdowns and two picks and he's completing 75% of his passes. But, you know, last week against Carolina, he takes off and runs a couple of times and he has a 21 yard run, I think, in the game and breaks away from contain. And, you know, he, he looks uh, normal and, and not like a guy who's thinking about his injury, although it was interesting when we talked to him this week, it was, you know, I'm smarter about when to take off, when to go down and when to get out of bounds. Like you think back to when he when he got hurt, well, what's he do? He breaks free and he's turning up field on a first down play. And he throws a stiff arm at Logan Ryan. Like most quarterbacks aren't throwing stiff arm at, at, at guys. And, and I, I think those days might be over, but he's also said, look down and distance time of game. I'm going to do everything I can to, to make a play. And if that requires me to use my legs, I'll do it. But I think you're seeing him being much more uh, judicious with his decision-making as he is running, which probably would have happened as he got more experience and got older anyway, but maybe the, the ankle injury kind of expedited that a little bit. Yeah. Well, he's looking good. You got the offensive line, which seems to be back, you know, after a few years of being banged up. I mean, right now they, they seem to be in good shape, right? They got the weapons, even, even the tight end, you know, Dalton Schultz is, is blowing up a little bit, doing, doing some damage. I'm, I'm trying to find the path where the giants are able to kind of handle this Cowboys team. Like is it, it Mr. Doomsday down there, like, can they, what, 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 what can they think of that say, oh, the Giants are going to give them a hard time? Cause I'm having trouble trying to figure it out, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, there's still, that's the good thing the Cowboys have going on right now is that if you want to play coverage, fine. They're just going to hammer it down your throat with, with Zeke Elliott and, and uh, Tony Pollard. If you want to bring another other guy down, well, they can throw it all over the place to the receivers. Uh, Cooper and Lamb and the tight ends that you mentioned, Schultz and Jarwin. So the, the, the Cowboys right now have this blend going that when they've been at their best, even when Jason Garrett was their coach here in 2014, 2016, where they could kind of pick whichever way they wanted to beat teams and, and beat them. So that that is um, that is a good thing for the Cowboys. As far as what do the Giants do? Look, it's still turn steel, their right tackle. They got no pass rush. That, that's why I'm saying it's like, I don't, it's hard for me to figure out, well, okay, how do they really disrupt them when they have no real pass rush? They have to manufacture it against this line. It, right. And and that's where I was going is Terrence Steele is still a backup right tackle of the games he started with Collins out last week was probably his worst game. He was still okay. He was still serviceable 
Uh, and I do think that the Cowboys are doing a better job or, or maybe Dax just in this mindset now of getting rid of the ball. It's like two and a half seconds. It's the second he holds the ball. The, the, the second lowest amount of time is any quarterback in the league. That's Last year was 2.8. Yeah. So he's getting rid of it quick. I don't know if that's by design or that's just the way that like they want to do it. And that's protecting their line. But you know, to me, it's make the Cowboys execute down the field and you know, die a slow death as opposed to die a quick death and, and, and wait for them to mess up. And they've had some instances where they've had holding penalties. They've had other issues where it's been first and 20, first and 19. They've overcome those at, at times this year, but you can't bank on that happening all the time. I, I think that's probably the way you just got to be patient against the Cowboys and don't, don't kind of fall into the trap of speeding them up or, or trying to uh, show them different looks. It, I think it's just, Basically, man, maybe I'm wrong, but make them work their way down the field and execute their way down the field. You, you look at last week, they gave up a bunch of points to the Panthers. Is Did that show cracks in the defense? How, how much is that? You know, Are you convinced that the defense can hold up long term? Because that, well, you know, yeah. that was obviously the problem, right? That right. Was yeah. The big concern. Two of those touchdowns came after the Cowboys were up. 36 13 or something like or 14 like when they right. when they That's went on a, on curious. a big run you're saying there's so garbage time they, a, a little bit because they took lamb off the field because his back was tightening up so he wasn't out there they did some more substituting they kind of got caught honestly they they took the foot off the pedal uh defensively and it kind of almost bit them uh, a little bit it was it's a one score game and like i'm watching this thing I'm like this should be a blowout what are they doing here and, and you know it's so that gives you pause, but I think for the Cowboys defense, look, everybody's saying how well they're playing. When you compare it to last year, I'll give it to you, man. Absolutely. It's better than last year in part because it couldn't be worse, but, <laughs> but, but there's also they've been 21 plays of 20 yards or more this year. That's a lot. Um, you know, there's still issues with them not being in the right spot and, and having some communication breakdowns. It's better. But what they're doing is, taking the ball away. Trayvon Diggs, five picks. They're, they're second in the NFL in takeaways. Like that's not something that this defense is really kind of almost, well, maybe in two of the eight, 17 years I've covered this team, they've done that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's it. So that's not a good, not a good percentage there. And, and they're worried about your, your team's ability, especially after what happened in New Orleans last week of pressing the ball down the field, making big plays, right? The Giants, the, the Cowboys are saying, like, look, they're third in big plays. And maybe my math is off, but I think the Giants had 16 plays of 20 yards or more this season. So they did eight, eight were last week alone. Right. So, you know, you got Tony's back and Galladay look good and Shepard's around and Saquon's looking better. So, you know, and let's not forget when they played here last year, the, the Giants put up 34 in this defense. Now everybody might have put up 34 in his defense early <laughs> in the year, but. I, you know, I, I, I think that's if I'm predicting a high scoring game in this one, I don't think this is going to be some kind of, you know, low twenties kind of game. I think this is a game where it's in the third thirties to mid thirties. Uh, the giants absolutely need that. I, I think in order to have a chance in this one, but you mentioned Galladay and I'm curious because we see Trayvon Diggs, you know, interception every game, you know, looking like he took his game to a completely different level. How much do you view him as a guy who, at this point, you, the other teams just have to avoid? Or is he not at that level? You could still kind of go after him, just have to be careful not to make that mistake. 
Well, what they're it, it's hard to say you need to just don't throw at that guy because what they've been doing is having him travel with the top receivers. It was with Mike Evans in the openers with Keenan Allen uh, and the Chargers in week two. I uh, was with Devontae Smith a decent amount of time in, in week three. So that's what I'm saying. Is he going to shut down Kenny Galladay completely? Is that the way shut that down, the level well, he's playing at? It, he's playing at a high level. But again, DJ Moore last week still had a good game against him, but he had the two picks. So and some of that was in zone coverage where, where he's able to read it. But that's right. what I'd have to imagine the Cowboys are going to continue that theme of having him travel a good amount of time with the, with the number one. And, you know, Holiday's the number one, right? I mean, yeah, so no, there's no doubt. So I, I would imagine you'll see a, a, a lot of that. And then maybe they switch it depending on how the game's going. If the other guys are killing them, then they move them around some more. But um, Diggs has been fabulous. He, he's been, you know, they, they praised his ball skill since he got here. But now you're just seeing a guy playing with confidence of knowing where, what's going to happen before it even happens. It, it's been something to see. Yeah, he's really taken his game to the next level. Another guy who's done that as well. It's his first year, and he's he's obviously you know popped on the scene. Is uh, Micah Parsons, and so I'm curious. We're sitting here right now. Granted, it's very early, but what do you think when you look at it? The Giants had a chance to draft Micah Parsons. <laughs> they took a first and and then and, and moved down to Kadarius Tony at 20th. Are they going to regret from what you've seen? not drafting Micah Parsons based on what you've seen. Oh, shoot. Based on four games. Yeah. They're going to regret it because I mean, it, it, and you know, there'll be a lot of good. people say it's legit, been that, like, good. that good. It's yeah. And, and and it's been that good because it's not just that he's an off the ball linebacker. He's been okay there, but the, the difference is the pressure that he's been able to, to bring and at, at having to play defensive end at times because of injuries, how they can have him attack in the a gaps. Um, kind of moving him all over the place. He plays the, the designated pass rusher role. He's a Sam linebacker. He plays in the middle too. So it's really like a where's Waldo thing with him and what they're doing, which which is impressive for a rookie that, dude, he didn't play football last year. He opted out at Penn State. The last game yep. he played before week one was the 2019 Cotton Bowl. By the way, mm-hmm. all the Cowboys coach or front office big wigs, they were in the stands watching that game. I think it made a pretty good impression. And the, look, the Cowboys are a little bit lucky too, because if JC Horn or Patrick Sertan were there when the Cowboys are picking, they were picking one of the corners. They weren't right. going to take him. So in some ways it's a little bit like, Hey, you got it. Zach Martin in 2014, they want to take Shazier. They were little, hoping Aaron Donald would fall to him. There was a, uh, that might've worked Minnesota, out right if Aaron Donald the, fell to him. Though. Right. Right. But the Minnesota <laughs> linebacker, I can't think of a bar. Maybe might might've been his year. And so then they're like, well, all our defensive guys are gone. And then you get, Zach Martin, who's going to go in the CJ Mosley, I think was in that draft. That was yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so now you're sitting at it, looking at a guy that you, you know, you got a hall of famer. You have a, a guy that might challenge Larry Allen as the best offensive lineman in franchise history. So it's kind of working out that way for the Cowboys or Parsons too. And the kid has been better than anybody could have expected because of how much they're asking him to do. That's what I keep coming back to. Like, He's rushing the passer. He's dropping in coverage. He's blitzing up the middle. He's playing great against the run. Like the, the kid is, he's a baller, man. He's, he's really good. Uh, you're watching from the outside. You see the Giants offense for the most part has struggled. Jason Garrett was, you know, taking a lot of heat going into that New Orleans game. Everybody wanted him gone. All Giants universe, right? <laughs> uh, so you're watching from a distance. You've seen Jason Garrett. 
how likely you think it is that he can, and I tried to ask him today if he still has aspirations to be a head coach. He really, this is up, we're taping this on Thursday night. He shot me down, obviously didn't want to go there. You're talking about a guy who still hasn't talked about, talked about leaving the Dallas Cowboys, which he was there for like, what, a decade? And yeah. In, and he was the head coach of the most popular team in the league. And somehow he has never talked about leaving there, which is just spectacular. If you ask me, so what do you think the chances are? This guy can become a head coach again. You know, tell, let's talk about this when they meet again. When do they play again? Do they play again in December? Yep. I think we'll have it's a better a, yeah, idea, it's, but it's the last month of the year for sure. So you, you know, it's not obviously it's dependent on that and how they're doing, but you look at what he did here body of work people will say oh he wasn't any good he's got a better record than ron rivera does so right there's something there you look at the development of dak prescott something there if daniel jones continues to play the way he's played right it's been better than it's ever been for him right he, he, do we do we believe he's on this track of uh, of uh, upward mobility here it, i'm asking do you think he's that guy now yeah. or no still- i mean he's He's definitely playing better, and and Jason Garrett has to be, you know, given credit part of that for, you know, helping, you know, helping him grow for sure. And, and that's the one thing why I tell I Giant fans like, when can we get? Are we going to get rid of Garrett? And it's like you have a quarterback who, if you change systems, he'll have his third coordinator in three years. Like so, Jason Garrett's not going to get fired. And I don't care if their offense is is bad. Like as long as Daniel Jones is playing well. And like continues to grow, like it doesn't make a ton of sense for them to pull the plug on Jason Garrett. Well, and then it was the Washington Washington game where they, they should have won the game, right? There's the drop oh, yeah. touchdown pass, and they played the well offensively. They so really, they've been good in yeah. two of the four. So, so you know, you're looking at a team that you know that should be two and two, probably. You know, if, if we're being honest game about Atlanta it, too. right? So maybe they should be three and one as well. Um, so. You know, if he gets in front of the owners or in front of a group, he will interview well. Um, but it's still going to take a lot of things to for, for it to come to fruition. I've always thought, like, he'd be a great college coach because he can sell the, the mom on uh, the kid's going to go to class. He's going to graduate. We're going <laughs> right. to do all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, do you think he would want to do that, though? You think he would go that go down and do that? I think it depend, would depend on the college job. Like, and look. If you're a major SEC program, you're probably not going to go after Jason Garrett. But um, USC, you know, eh, I don't think USC would even come after Jason Garrett. <laughs> I thought Dion was getting that USC done. Um, no, I digress. <laughs> but I, I think he has a chance, depending on the development of the quarterback, because then again, he can credit, take credit for Dak Prescott. You can take credit for Tony Romo back in the day. You can take credit for for Daniel Jones. So now you're in a situation where you're like, hey, he's developed these quarterbacks that have turned into pretty good players. And he's an organized guy. The Cowboys never laid down on him in the 10 years he was their head coach. Again, his record is better than people think. Everybody thinks he was 8-8 eight and eight every year. He wasn't. They got, they got beat twice by the Packers in the playoffs by bad luck in, in some respects. Not, not anything other than that. I mean, Mason and, Crosby hit a huge field goal in that game. to, to win. Right. Well, the, de- the Dez catch, that wasn't, right? I mean, they're, they're in a position to win that game if that's overturned. And, not overturned in 2014. And then 2016. Aaron Rodgers completes third and 21 on him in the last drive of the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 that's luck and happenstance more than poor coaching in, in my mind. I think he's a solid, decent coach um, that wasn't able to get it over the top here. 
that is going to need a lot of lot of help or a lot of things happen for him to be viewed again in a way where he's the hot and coming up and coming coach again. Yeah. Well, here's what I'm thinking, right? And I'm not even the biggest Jason Garrett fan, but how much does how he does as an offensive coordinator really even matter, right? Because if you're like, let's say the Jaguars, like that's a disaster, right? That that place is a mess. They need, you know, that that eventually blows up and a guy like Urban Meyer is gone. They're just looking for like a steady, you know, overseer to run everything and make sure that they get, you know, they become a respectable organization. Like you, I could see a team looking at a guy like Jason Garrett for that reason. Like they don't, like even if his, they don't love his offensive schemes, they could, you know, he wasn't running the offense anyway in Dallas, right? It was his offense, but he wasn't calling the shots. And it's still his offense in Dallas, which is the funniest thing going. It's still, it's not Mike McCarthy's offense. It's, it's Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan and Kellen Moore's added to that. Uh, So but, but I, I'll also add this. Who are the hot, like, who who gets you hot and bothered over the next coaching carousel guys, right? Like, we all, Eric Bannemi should have had a job by now. Well, I think we can all agree with that. Right. So, he's going to be in the mix again. Kellen Moore will be in the mix because if the Cowboys continue to go down this path. Um, help me out. Who are the other yeah. names? Like, I mean, like who, who are, like, like, the top teams? I mean, what? Josh, we're gonna go that team is gonna go down the Josh McDaniels road again, right? I think that's right. kind it's, of past the you know past due at this point. Not gonna the, happen. Does Sean McVay have another assistant coach that that can come off his staff or the McVay right. tree that someone wants? Like so, there's not a whole heck of a lot of guys who say, "Man, you got to get this dude." And, and again, like I said, when Jason gets in front of the owners for if he does interview, he's gonna do really well. He's always done well. He turned down the Atlanta job in 2007 or eight. He turned down the Baltimore job in 2007 or eight that Harbaugh got. So he knows how to say the right things to, to, to make sure he can get, get these gigs, yeah. I, you know, again, but again, when they hire him, it's going to be, he's a retread. He's eight and eight. He's 500, even though he's not 500. So yeah. I think with uh, team that it, really yeah. wants that needs that respectability, like that's the kind of team that that's gonna look that'll look at somebody like Jason Garrett, not because he's like the yeah. hot coordinator name or anything, but because they need someone who's done it before, that's proven they can handle you know the pressures of being a head coach and give the organization some stability. So you probably knew this because you're a football guru, but a year ago at this time, did anybody know who Nick Sirianni was? I actually had no idea who Nick Sirianni was. <laughs> Zero. See, I was trying to give you credit, and then you just let it go. Well, everybody, uh, right. everyone so that, who listens to this knows I'm not I'm not that smart. I'm an idiot. So, but but that's that's my point, right? That's like, why they listen. Don't know who. <laughs> they right. want to hear. They want to hear how some. They want to hear me say something stupid. <laughs> All right, keep going then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here are you ready? The Cowboys' success, the turnaround. We all know where it leads to, right? Benny with the good hair is in the organization. It has to be right. Ben, our boy Ben McAdoo. How's he doing? Oh, What's, what? Explain to me what is what what do you think he's doing? Like, what's his role at this point? Um, we've not talked to him um, yet since he's been here, but he's the he's like, consultant, right? Guy. That's his official title. He, yeah, like he's he's here. He, he's he's been he's around and he's. I saw him in Hard Knocks. Yeah, and, so and he, he's, he's he's a little on the big side. He got he got a little big. Uh, well, I'm not going to talk my buddy's weight. If we look no, in the just, mirror lately. Just, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, he's the advanced model either. You know I mean? Uh, I could, I could, right. I got the same problem going here. 
Uh, he's the advanced guy. He's a week ahead. So he's already looking at the new England stuff and he helps the offensive coaches and the defensive coaches with trends and things like that. So that's, you know, when he first came here, I'm like, all right, maybe this is just um, McCarthy taking care of one of his buddies to get him his pension or something like that. But no, he's got a legit role. And like you said, if Kellen Moore is gone, well, then, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you think McCarthy would just kind of slide him up and say, okay, you're the next guy. Although they do like their quarterbacks coach and Doug Nussmeyer and, Maybe he'd become the next guy to keep everything for Dak the same. But um, supposedly he's doing like what he does. We can't tell you what McCarthy tells us that what he's doing. He's supposedly doing a really good job at it. And they won three in a row with it. And they took the Super Bowl champs to the to the gun there. So I guess he's doing OK. How's his hair look? That's what everyone wants to know. Does he have it slicked back? Uh, it doesn't look as slicked back. It, it's got a little Mel Kuyper to him, but I don't think it's slicked back. Yeah, he used to back at the beginning. He had the wave, you know, a little side wave. Then he slicked it back and he got all New York on us. And that's when everyone insists that that's when it went downhill when he slicked back that's, the hair. He got two New York for everybody. Yeah, well, he wasn't New York, so you can't fake New York, you know. Hey, he had a suit, one suit. It didn't fit him, <laughs> but that's okay. He, all right, I'm not even going to go with that where I was thinking about the suit right there. <laughs> But they have actually a very you got you know they have a very former Giant coaching staff with McAdoo, Lunda Wells, who was like a, working with the Giants offensive line for years, is, is the tight ends coach. Adam Henry, who was their wide receiver coach, he was Odell's guy. Uh, he's he's the wide receiver coach over there. So you got a very uh, former Giant staff there. Well, there's a very former Cowboy staff going on with the Giants as well. Garrett, Eric Dooley, Freddie Kitchens. Oh, I'm missing somebody Mark, else. Mark Colombo's not there anymore. You know. My guy, Mark. Yep. And they also fired the, the uh, Jason's like assistant. He was like a running back. Coach. Stevie Brown. Yep. Stevie yeah, Brown. Stephen Brown. He, that's right. That's right. He didn't make it. So that's why, that's why all roads I kind of led to, Hey, Garrett's guys are kind of getting pushed out. Who's next. Right. Oh, and that's why even like, if you want to connect the dots, it's like the offense thinks they already got rid of his guys. Looks like he would be next, but uh, I just. It's only but isn't, he's a made guy with the Mara, with Mara, though, right? And the and the owners there. I mean, so that's that's going to be a tough uh, bridge to cross, I think, for yeah. Judge if he actually yeah. wants to get rid of Jason. You, you're pissing Giants fans off right now because that's you know. Sorry. That's that's why we're <laughs> they're sitting here with with uh, Dave Gettleman, twenty games under five hundred, and all these you know all these other guys that have that have been lingering around for years and. A lot of people might say, and including this guy, that it is probably a part of the problem in the organization and why you're the the worst tied for the worst record out of any team in the NFL since 2017. So with the Jets? With the Jets. Yeah. Oh, and you Jets. know what? They both yeah. won last week. They couldn't shake them. The Giants tried to shake the Jets, but the Jets kept pace. Absolute thrilling race. <laughs> New York football tied. New York. We're at number 32. All right. Well, we'll be in Dallas this week. We'll catch up this weekend. I appreciate your time. We'll do it again soon. No problem. I'll save you some mac and cheese at the stadium from Jerry. Uh, yeah, they got the best stadium food there. The, they still had the beer on tap and that dessert tray and everything. It's, it's still there. Although, you know, the beer, I don't know if the beer is flowing after games this year. I haven't checked. I, I, don't, I don't think it's been flowing for a couple of years. The last time I was there, I don't remember it flowing, but, uh, but everything still. else is still in place. Yeah, I mean they, they they treat you well. That that dessert table with all the candy and stuff. I mean, come on, <laughs> can't 
<laughs> you you know, you go to other stadiums. It's not they don't even hold a, a candle to what's going on there. Jerry treats you well. Yep, he does. <laughs> on to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S A V E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's finish up a little quick Jordan on the beat and a prediction, then we'll get out of here. We'll start with the Jordan on the beat. This is the portion of the podcast where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. And uh, I'm going to take you to the scene after the game in this little room underneath the Superdome, the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans when Saquon Barkley walks off the podium. And he mentions this tweet that I put out there before the game. I talked about it a little bit earlier. You know, my insane bravery, and I hope you all realize this is incredible sarcasm on my part. And the tweet said something like this. The Giants are going to upset either the Saints or Cowboys on the road in the next two weeks. That's the tweet. That is all. Now, remember, the Giants are 0-3 at this point. Everyone is totally down on this team, thinks they're total, utter disaster, and I decide to put myself out like that. And then I even say I will slap myself in the face if it doesn't come true because I was being foolish and I let my eyes and my mind deceive me. But the reason I went out and put out that tweet, first off, is that Andy Reid always said it when I was in Philadelphia covering the Eagles, he always said, uh, it's never as bad as it looks. It's never as good as it looks. And that that is true. Like the 0-3 was horrible, but the reality was they easily should have, could have won two of those three games. So it's not like the Giants were bad, bad. They just didn't know how to win, right? They just didn't know what, they didn't have, they just weren't able to pull out games at the end of games, which does make you bad. But you know what I mean by like bad, bad. I mean like, okay, they're not the Jaguars who are getting blown out or, you know, the Texans with, Davis Mills, uh, the Lions right now at this point. like The Giants are are not a good team right now, but they're not in the category as those teams. So I saw them playing well in one of the two games in, in the upset, which but to be frankly, be frank about it, be honest, I thought it was more likely in Dallas. Then I realized the Saints probably aren't as good as we think they are, and that's kind of what they think in New Orleans as well. So anyway, I make that prediction, okay? And everybody thinks I'm an idiot. I'm a moron. You should have seen all the replies, blah, blah, blah. Even people on this beat, other beat reporters harassing me, giving me grief, telling me how dumb I am. Not an incorrect comment, but you get the point. So I make the prediction 
And then after the game, Saquon Barkley is walking off the podium, finishes his press conference. The Giants win. Saquon has the game winning walk off touchdown, starting to look like his old self. As he's walking out the door, he turns to me and says, Jordan, I liked your call. I saw your tweet. And at that point, so many things were going through my head like, uh oh, what did I tweet that I was, you know, critiquing Saquon that he saw? And then I'm like, what do you, what, what tweet are you talking about? And he's like, the one where you predicted us to win one of these two games. And I was like, oh, okay, that's good. Because be quite frank, be honest. I said that earlier, that same exact phrase, but I'm saying it again because I was about to tweet at some point during that game. It's pretty clear the best running back on the field is not on the Giants because Alvin Kamara was on the other side and he's tremendous. Now, I still might feel that way, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to tweet that. It was the middle of the game. You never know. Saquon can make you look dumb real quick. And I really do believe he's getting closer to being back to where he was before. Physically, he's almost, he seems like he's pretty much there. Just hitting those holes where if he does that, then I'm, you know, he's going to be a top running back in the league. I actually spoke to some sources, people around the league, and they were of the belief that he is back physically. And one of them even said to me, you know, they already view him as he's in the top five backs in the league right now again. Like he's back, which kind of caught my attention. So anyway, when Saquon went off the podium and said that, and when he explained like that was the tweet, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that tweet. Oh, yeah. And I said, look at me, Mr. Optimistic over here, you know, because that's my MO, right? You listen to you guys all listen to me long enough. Mr. Optimistic right here, baby. I'm turning into it kind of when everybody gets so down. I think it's because I'm just a natural contrarian and I like to take the other side on things. So everyone thinks the Giants are so bad last year and this year that I, I'm almost like I'm almost on the optimistic side. The fan base, by the way, has been more down on the Giants than I've ever seen before. So I'm actually on the I'm actually probably more optimistic than most of the fan base, which is kind of an unusual spot for me. Quite the predicament I find myself in these days. Very uncomfortable because I'm not used to it. Anyway, that's my Jordan on the beat story. I thought I thought it was a, a pretty funny interaction with Saquon right after the game. Uh, nervous, my heart dropped for a minute, thinking that he saw something I probably shouldn't have tweeted and was super critical of something and maybe even unfairly, but didn't turn out that way this time. Anyway, now as I sit here and tell you how optimistic I am, I'm going to predict a Giants loss, 28 to 26 to the Dallas Cowboys. I just have a hard time seeing how they're really going to stop this Dallas offense with the state of their defense right now. No pass rush, no Blake Martinez. Uh, it's just hard for me to see against this offensive line, a healthy Cowboys team, the Giants being able to make stops, key stops when they need it most. Now, if they do win this game, it's going to be because Patrick Graham is going to scheme up something awesome. And we saw him do it last year. So I wouldn't say it's impossible. And I'm, I'm picking 28-26. So I'm already predicting a pretty close game. If Patrick Graham could come up with a scheme that has Dallas, you know, confused and looking all over the place and not sure, then yeah. That, to me, is the path to Giants victory. But that's a tough path, man. So I'm going Dallas 28-26. And next week, we'll be back to the Breaking Big Blue podcast after a loss, which, to be quite honest, and I keep saying that over and over again, uh, is quite a familiar territory. So anyway, let's wrap up this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Uh, as always, reach out to me. We'll do a Giants after dark, hopefully next week. Answer a lot of your questions. You can reach me. You know where. 
Twitter, Facebook, email, Instagram, TikTok. I'm all over the place. You know how to find me. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.